getting started. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asa. And today, we're going to talk about getting started as a newbie DM. So this is a question that everyone who has ever ran a game has asked themselves. How do I get started? And there's a lot of advice out there. So rather than just diving in, what type of players, how might they be exposed to Dungeons and Dragons initially? And it's not like it was 20 years ago where you had to be at a table to experience D&D. Right, there's live plays all over the internet, Critical Role, yeah. for example. Critical Role is huge. I want to put this out there. It's, you know, we always bring up Critical Role because Matt Mercer, that is his job. He has 40 hours a week and years of experience to put together the campaigns that he does. And he creates unrealistic expectations for what D&D is. Yeah. True. He's also, even before he got into this, he's a voice actor. Yes, yes. So he's A, an actor, and B, a voice actor. Yes, he understands the, the Mercer snarl. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not an actor. No. I think one of the easiest ways to get into D&D, at least learning the rules, is by playing the video games. We've got Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah. That's out in early access right now. Solasta, Crime of the Magister. You could play those games, and over time, I mean, the numbers are all there. You'll learn the rules. Mm -hmm. My first exposure to D&D was uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, mm -hmm. which I sucked at because <laughs> I was a kid. Yeah. And I, it was the first game where it was like, you died, and then it was game over. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> and then of course i played neverwinter nights yes. back in the day and that one was much more forgiving and also a newer version neverwinter nights is a another good starting point it's three 3.0 rules and they're kind of similar to fifth edition but it will give you enough foundation to get started to understanding fifth edition yes yeah one thing to ask yourself is like do you have any experience with D D at all before you're even coming to this like some i'm sure some people are going to dm are like i've seen people play and then other people are going to be like i've been a player for a long time yes and your expectations are definitely going to be colored by the medium that brought you in if you are listening to podcast dnd creating a podcast is is very different than creating a, an experience for your table because if you have one dm and three players there's a fifth player at your table, which is the audience, that needs to be brought in. So the way that podcast D&D is going to flow is going to be very different. You aren't going to be able to fit in a complete adventure in an hour like you can in an edited podcast. And it also, I feel like the, the you know, just like you said, the avenue that you, you brought in sets your expectations for what you will experience as the dm like what the players are going to have what the game is going to be like and same thing with a game if you're playing a game your experience is a lot of cinematics without actual audible descriptions mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to convey those things right and it may not live up to expectations without practice right and also matt mercer is going to get a lot of inputs from his players that aren't typical 
because they are also voice actors. They understand theatricality and storytelling. And they've been playing a while, a really long time. So they are, I wouldn't call them trained, but they are as close as you can get to like professional D&D players as you can get out there. This is like the difference between a professional cake maker making these beautiful cake sculptures and me trying to frost some cupcakes so that way all the frosting goes mostly on the top. So you're saying new DMs shouldn't watch Critical Role, shouldn't base their expectations of the game right. on Critical Role. Right. And although it's not, it's not bad to have something to aspire to, don't be disappointed if your table doesn't run like Mercer's. And another thing that new DMs are going to face is if they have players who watch Critical Role. Because their players are going to come to the table expecting... The Matt Mercer effect. Yes. Yes. The Matt Mercer effect is documented. So what advice is floating out there in terms of getting started? I've personally seen buy the Essentials Kit or buy the uh, Starter Kit, play the guide, play the characters... And have some fun and see if that's that's good for you. I've given that advice. I've received that advice. You got to know what you're getting into. The starter yes. kit and the essentials kit are very different boxes. You get different stuff when you purchase them. The starter kit is going to give you the basic rules, but without the character creation rules. And it's going to give you pre-made characters and an adventure. And it's going to give you all the instructions you need to run that adventure. It's really great for people who don't know anything about D&D. Right. If you are familiar with D&D, maybe not 5th edition, but 3rd edition or previous editions, the Essentials Kit might be a better starting point for you because it's going to give you the basic rules. It's going to give you the character creation rules. It's going to give you pre-made characters as well and an adventure that is going to guide you how to run through it as the DM. That's a better choice if you have players who also want to make their own characters or some players who want to make their own characters and some players who just want to use pre-gen characters. Right. Or if you have players that have played before. Yes. Yes. You're coming to the table to learn and to be a DM, but you're not doing this by yourself. So knowing your audience, knowing the players you're going to have, if you know them ahead of time, changes what you're going to do. Like if your players are people who have played before and you know that they've played before, then going with the starter kit or anything like that might not be the most helpful thing. Or, you know, it there could be budget involved. The starter kit and the essentials kit is going to cost you some money. If you don't have any money or you don't want to spend any money on D&D, but you are familiar with the game, I think probably the best way to go is just go online, get the basic rules, get some people who really want to play, have them roll up some characters, and start in a tavern. But that has a whole bunch of prerequisites. It's a little bit more advanced because there's definitely the what now factor. You meet at a tavern, you have some drinks, you... I don't know, chat up the wench. Oh, well, the basic rules yeah. has kobolds, goblins, wolves. Yeah. Orcs. Right. Well, that, that you need to. That kind of thing game. does require a certain knowledge of like encounter design, right. encounter setup. Yeah. Uh, or unless you have a pre made adventure in front of you, you're going to have to have some kind of knowledge of how to prep. Right. Yeah. This is for DMs who are familiar with running D&D, but maybe not fifth edition. Right. And you don't want to spend any money on 5th edition. Right. Grab the basic rules, start in a tavern, what have ha- some shenanigans. The tavern gets attacked by goblins, yeah. kobolds, yeah. orcs. Run an encounter, and then that's call it a night. What happens if you have a DM that is never DM'd, or like this is their first? Definitely the modules then. Yeah, starter kit. Buy the starter kit. 
for people who have maybe only listened to podcasts where the rules discussions have been trimmed out and haven't read any of the class information, because I know that when you listen to stuff you know about, when you listen to cooking instructions, I I go back to cooking a lot because I do cooking. When I hear someone throw out a cooking term, that means a very specific treatment. And in D&D, there's a little bit of jargon. And when they throw out a very specific turn, it means that it alters the situation in some way. And without having the access to the background rule sets, if you only have the Twitch stream or the podcast, you would miss out on that context. I'm glad you brought up that point. Like those podcasts are heavily edited. Mm-hmm. They cut out a lot of questions and the the rules discussions that happen. And those podcasts, you're watching someone's home game or you're listening to someone's home game, which means there could be homebrew rules that are used in there right. that are not part of the, the actual core rules. So when you see that and you're like, I can just do that the same thing. And you have players coming in, they're like, that's not how that works. Right. I know that a Mercer, his players get to roll up custom classes that then become official down the line because of who he is in the industry. But it may not be possible to play as their character classes as they're coming out. Yeah. I I believe that it was what, the Blood Hunter, the Blood Knight? that uh, blood hunter i think yeah yeah that was coined by mercer and then later became official it's, it's not official it's on DD beyond through the partnership with critical role the yeah. reason is because critical role was advertising for DD beyond and one of the characters in the campaign was playing a blood hunter and they needed the blood hunter to be supported in DD beyond for the character to be played and using DD beyond right yeah so that's why it's part of DD beyond Right, right. So again, yes, there will be custom rules and custom classes and custom content that unless your podcast is releasing their books and their rule sets may not be something that your DM or your players can handle. Yeah. So if if the only exposure to the rules that someone has who wants to be a DM is someone else's game, then there could be a lot of that misrepresentation of rules because of stuff like homebrew. Sure. Um, I definitely don't think the DM needs to know every rule. Right. I don't think they need to know half the rules. I think they need to know just enough rules to DM. Right. Because they have four other people or three other people at the table who know the rules too. And if your players don't, like, if you don't trust your players enough to help you know the stuff, then maybe they shouldn't be your players. Right. Yeah. So there is a relationship that you have with your players where... It shouldn't all be a one-way direction. D&D should be collaborative storytelling. It shouldn't be story time with Bob the DM. So I wanted to double back to the essentials in the starter kit. Um, have either of you run that kit? <laughs> I've run, I've started the starter kit, I don't know how many times. And every time I've done it, it's been with my wife. And we've done it so many times that she refuses to play through it the whole way, even if I suggest it for like starting a new campaign okay yeah so So i've never played through it the whole way but i've started many uh, times okay but you were already a veteran player at that point yeah yeah. okay and you were also using it possibly as a seed adventure for a new campaign Uh, actually to introduce new players mostly okay all right so would you have continued to take the players or would you have had them roll up Uh, i would have continued it definitely it's a good adventure it's got everything that you need especially at the beginning to to introduce dnd right it's got right from the start it's got a nice story, a little bit of role-playing, introducing characters. It's got some exploration, investigation. There, there are some, there's chances to interact with some animals 
and some NPCs, and then plenty of combat. Right. And it all happens it's, pretty fast. It's it's like a best bits D and D campaign. It, how, it really is. How many sessions would you say the starter kit is if you played the whole thing? Depends on how long your sessions are, but I mean, you could probably play it for a couple months, maybe. Okay, so this is not like a one and done or a short thing. Because I've I've never actually played. It's the, definitely the not a one shot. Yeah, right. I've never played the starter kit. I've read it, like the a little bit of it. I've looked at it. It definitely struck me as like almost a whole campaign, almost. Yeah. But the people I played with, when I started playing, or even now, like I'm always coming in even when I start a new group, is they've all played before. I've never played with new players unless I was DMing that Adventurers League thing and then they're doing their own stuff. Right. So I've never had an opportunity to DM the starter kit, but I've DM'd a lot of other stuff. Sure. There's also other advice that's out there. And I want to start this one out by saying, how would you caveat someone who has been told by the player's handbook by the Monster's Manual, by the DM Guide. Those three books are enough to run a campaign. Absolutely. They're enough to run a campaign, but they're it's expensive. And it's a lot for someone to jump into the game, especially if they don't know like how it's right. going to go, if they're going to be able to get a group, or if they're going to be able to run D&D, or right. if they're going to even enjoy it. I would advise, if someone's never DM'd before, or if they've only played a little bit or even never played before... Do not buy the books. Right. I think some libraries might have the books they can borrow, or they, a library might have the starter kit. I'm not sure if the library has available, but a lot of them do. I would say at most, buy one of those starter adventures, something that's a, a very cheap investment. Because I know I've spoken to a lot of people in, in different places around the country, and they're like, yeah, I got like four people in my town who play D&D, &D and, and two of them suck. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just kind of like, well... Uh, okay. Guess you're not playing in your town, bro. Yeah. To set expectations on what's in the DM guide, the DMG, as it's known by the OGs, it's not a campaign. Like, you can't flip to any page of the DMG and have something playable. It has resources to build stuff. So it is a resource. What other resources are there, such as Cobalt Fight Club, to help with balancing encounters? We spoke earlier about if you don't have experience about balancing encounters... Cobalt Fight Club can help with that, where you punch in your party's average level as its challenger rating, and then it spits out some monsters that might be a good balance. D&D Beyond has an encounter builder now that you can use to measure the CR of encounters. You got to remember, though, when you're creating encounters that adventurers should be having six to eight encounters on a day, and that's what the CR is based off of. So no 15-minute workdays. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I think another thing that is a challenge for a lot of DMs, being a DM is not just a combat moderator. Like, I have to design a combat and that's it. Most of the job of being a DM is, part of it is is setting up encounters, but part of it is, like, helping tell the story that leads to the encounter. Sure. So um, which YouTubers do you think would help with that? I found Matt Colville to be particularly useful. Yeah, a lot of my... Game design and counter design is based off of his videos. Also, WebDM. I like a lot of their stuff. And Bob the World. D&D Beyond has great encounter article by James Hayek. I will say it can be a little overwhelming if you look at all of those videos that are out there on YouTube or if you look at all those tools to think that you need to know all of them to play. Right. Fundamentally, to start playing, it's okay to screw up and not be prepared 
just be upfront with your players and be like, all right, this is my first time DMing or second time DMing. Stuff's going to not work. And we're just going to, if it doesn't work, we'll just try again next time. Yep. Don't come to the table thinking you have to be 100% ready for anything that might pop up. Yep. I just Uh, want to jump back to resources real quick and mention the biggest resource that we've got is the DMs Guild. You can find mm -hmm. tons of adventures, player options, DM advice on the DMs Guild. Some of it's free, some of it you have to pay for. All right. Yeah. And DMs Guild is owned by One Bookshelf. One... Uh, I thought it was like well, part of Wizards of the Coast, like owns part of it or something like that or licensed it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. DMing is, is a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And if it's something that you're really interested in, go for it and uh, sit here and try to be. Yes. Yes. At yeah. most, have fun. And don't give up. The signs that you are on your way to being a good DM is that you're having fun. Because if you're having fun, it means that you'll keep doing it. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here. That was one mystery, Demystified.